And the average year pulls back 14%, so it feels like a lot of volatility because we have had a very rocky ride. Uh, but maybe this year is just, you know, after nine straight up years, a little consolidation here. The Fed, the trade is all out there. But what really matters? The fundamentals. Those long, I mean, I, I've said before, calls old-fashioned at LPL Research. We still think earnings drive long-term stock gains. Had good earnings this year. We should have good global earnings again next year. And those are just a peek at some of the fundamentals we're going to talk about here. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, Ryan. Hey, John. How you doing today? Doing great. How are you? Doing well. Happy Outlook Day. Absolutely. Happy Outlook Day to you as well. We just recently released LPL Outlook 2019, and we called it Fundamental, how to focus on what really matters in the markets, because clearly it's been a very volatile market, a lot of technicals driving the market, and we want our investors to focus on the fundamentals. Ryan, why don't we start off explaining what that means? Well, John, you're right. I mean, you talk about 2018, what's happened. We've had a lot of volatility. At the same time, think about it like this. You know, the S&P's pulled back about 14% peak to trough so far this year. John, the average year pulls back 14%. So it feels like a lot of volatility because we have had a very rocky ride. Uh, but maybe this year is just, you know, after nine straight up years, a little consolidation here. The Fed, the trade is all out there. But what really matters, the fundamentals. Those long, I mean, I, I've said it before, calls old-fashioned at LPL Research. We still think earnings drive long-term stock gains. Had good earnings this year. We should have good global earnings again next year. And those are just a peek at some of the fundamentals we're going to talk about here in the next 15, 20 minutes. Absolutely. Earnings and interest rates. And it's, it's a fascinating point you bring up about peak to trough approximately 14% in 2018, and that's the average. And right. 2017, perhaps we were lulled into a false sense of security, right? Because it's such a narrow vol, vol year, as we like to say in the business. Yeah, three narrow per, volatility. 3% peak to trough last year was mm -hmm. the lowest since 95, and those are the only two years. So it almost feels like we get 3% moves sometimes daily anymore. It feels like it. I know we don't, but you know, the last year really did loss into a False sense of confidence, I guess, that markets do not always go up. Unfortunately, they go sideways and down sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. And we really had we had a lot of uncertainty. Investors were very concerned. We had the midterm elections, which we've addressed in previous podcasts. We had concerns about oil prices, trade and tariffs, as well as, uh, you know, just the normal volatility in mm -hmm. the market. So when you factor in trade, the Fed, oil prices, uncertainty relative to the election. It had has been a volatile time. But in this 2019 outlook, again, focusing on the fundamentals, what really matters in the markets, we really like to break it up between policy decisions. We like to break it up between economic implementation, what that means for interest rates and fixed income, and finally, what that means for corporate profits and equity valuations. Because, you know, real th three key themes to the report Fiscal policy is still going to be a big part of it. Market volatility is still going to be a big part of our outlook for next year. But also, we still see solid capital investment, solid business spending. So looking at all that, let's let's just start from the top. Let's go okay. with policy. What, what do we see in policy, Ryan? Well, John, you talk policy, you've got monetary policy. That's the Fed. We had almost you know, nine years or so off the, off the lows in 2009, or seven years or so of monetary policy. But all of a sudden, we're starting to use fiscal policy, opening that up. And what is that? Well, tax reform. You know, I mean, I saw an interesting stat from our friends at Strategus, uh, partner, research partners, that said, you look at the fiscal policy as a percent of GDP this year versus next year, it's actually larger next year. To be very honest, I wasn't aware of that. So, you know, mm -hmm. people think this fiscal stimulus 2018 was just a one-time shot. 
It sure doesn't look like that, John. So 2019, yeah. the, the door is still open for that fiscal policy to really help drive this economy, correct? And that is an example where investors need to focus on the fundamentals because headlines are suggesting otherwise, right? right? Headlines are saying, well, we got the sugar high in 2018, particularly in the first half of 2018 after the tax cut was implemented, and we're all toast for next year. But what where that analysis, and if, if you want to be gracious and call that analysis, mm-hmm. with that commentary suggests is that it was a one-shot deal. Well, we know it's it's not that. And if you look at what the individual and small business will get from tax cuts next year, as well as the individual benefiting from AMT and changes in 2019 that they could not participate in in 2018, that's approximately $200 billion. You have a $300 billion additional government spending plan uh, that was passed last March. So if you want to divvy it up, 150 each mm-hmm. year. If you look at increased lending capacity, we've already that could be a couple of hundred billion. Right. If you look at repatriation, we've seen approximately six hundred billion come back already. It takes a while to implement that investment. It takes a while, even if some of it is used for, even if half of it's used for uh, dividends and buybacks. You know, you still have some capital re- capital investment that is so important for the outlook, right? Because capital investment drives productivity. Productivity drives output at a less expensive cost because if you increase productivity, you drive down unit labor costs so you can improve output without having a threatening wage or inflation environment. Now, John, maybe I'll play devil's advocate for a second. So we saw a lot of capital investments coming in the first half of this year. Mm-hmm. Third quarter, it stalled. Fourth quarter, it stalled. You know, is that because of trade or is that because the economy is slowing down? I mean, why is in the third quarter, it really did slow down. It, 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 but we it, think it's going to pick up. It, why is it going to pick ground, up next year? It ground to a halt yes. because there was uncertainty relative to trade. Mm-hmm. And if you look at market volatility, Sending Washington a message. We could also look at CEO confidence and CFO confidence uh, because businesses spent at about a 10% pace in the first half of 2018, and we only saw less than 1% right. increase in the third quarter. So that was businesses saying, we need clarity on trade. We need clarity on tariffs because we're not going to invest until we have it because right. it takes such a long time to implement all those plans, particularly when you're you know, it's pretty easy if you're buying chips and software, but if you're building a new plant or if you're going to buy somebody's research and development project or buy somebody, it takes a little longer, right? So if sure. you're going to really invest in the property plant and equipment aspect, the true driver, if you will, of of the eye in investment for the GDP calculation, you need clarity. And I, I think that uh, was a signal to admit the administration that, you know, businesses will not invest otherwise without right. clarity. Now, maybe to wrap up policy here, you mentioned clarity. Well, the Fed just had its fourth interest rate hike this year. It appears that they're leaving the door open for probably less hikes. They lowered inflation expectations. They lowered the dot plots. They're saying maybe two hikes next year. John, our 2019 outlook, what are we looking for in Fed policy and maybe the number of hikes we see next year? Well, uh, as one of the analysts told us when we were walking in, uh, it looks like they read our outlook because... (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) They did raise... You're welcome, Jerome Powell. they, 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 They raised... Yeah, happy to help. Uh, they raised today, obviously, suggesting only two hikes next year, which we we put a terminal rate of 3% on the federal funds rate for this cycle, not even necessarily 2019 if the cycle goes further. Because um, right. I think what the Fed has to be mindful of, clearly their official mandates are, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, ensure as full an employment situation as possible, but also keep a lid on inflation. Right. There is a condition relative to market 
stability. It's not their man mantra or mandate, but they have to be mindful of it. But also currency stability. The dollar cannot get too strong with those emerging currencies getting too weak. The interest rate differential between the U.S. and Europe can't be too wide. So there are things they need to be mindful of that I think he is, as we've discussed in the past. So uh, the expectation was there for today for the for the fourth hike of 2019, and I suspect uh, they were. Uh, Fourth hike of 2018. Look at you. You're looking to the 2017. No, you said 2019. You're looking to the future. I I know. I know. I'm teasing you. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, look. Listen. Just watching the Q and A of what um, Fed Chairman Powell had to say. He talked about market volatility. He's he's saying, yeah, we're paying attention to it. Like you said, it's not one of the two big mantras that they follow. But as a person without a PhD, as um, Fed Chairman Powell is. He's aware of markets as well, and yeah. he mentioned that that's you know he's not staring it in the eye, but maybe in the corner of the eye he's looking at it there. Yeah, the initial market reaction has not been favorable, uh, even though it was what the market was expecting. Right. So uh, the next several days and several weeks will play out, and the, the next thing from a policy standpoint, not just fiscal policy, but to the degree the market's comfortable with monetary policy and how that will impact uh, the next phase we want to discuss today, economic output. That's right. So, John, you know, let's move to the economy. So as of right now, we have the second longest economic cycle since World War II. The only 1990s were longer. I believe if we can get to June of next year without a recession, this will now be the longest period of economic growth since World War II. First off, do you think we'll get there? And how much further can it go? Do we really have another couple years left of economic growth here? Yet another reason why we called the report focus on the fundamentals, right? Fundamental, uh, how to focus on what really matters in the markets. Because in spite of headline risk, we don't want to be dismissive of tariffs and the uncertainty of trade and all the other things out there going on in the world. But when you look at the fundamentals driving economic output, GDP, take it back to economics 101, GDP yep. equals C plus I plus C plus X, right? Consu- the consumer for consumption, right? fully employed consumer, average hourly wage is rising what? 3, 3% or so. So the yeah, consumer barely. is employed mm-hmm. and has rising income. Uh, businesses have incentives to invest. Government has an additional $300 billion two-year spending plan. That's to G. And from the X, the net export is is the wild card. But nonetheless, exports represent such a small portion of GDP. Even worst-case scenarios are suggesting a tenth or two-tenths or three-tenths of 1% hit to overall output next year. And we believe the economy will transition to a slower rate in 2019. We should grow at 3% in 2018. And we're forecasting two and a half to two and three quarters percent in 2018. So it's slowing, but it's not dropping off a cliff. Right, and that's right. And you know that three percent GDP—it's it's it's an impressive number. But just put it in context, the United States has not had a three percent annualized GDP for a full calendar year since 2005. So mm-hmm. it's been a really long time since we've hit three percent. Um, you know, when you talk about markets and the economy, you know, the yield curve continues to come up. You know, I mean, do you have, well, do you have anything else to say about the economy? You want to go to rates? Before we transition mm-hmm. to rates, let's, the bridge, the mm-hmm. bridge we can use between the go. economy and rates will right. be inflation. Yes. Right? And uh, growing at two and a half to two and three quarters percent, you and I get paid to worry. We're sleeping pretty well relative to inflation, mm-hmm. right? When you see a fully employed economy with only 3% wage growth, Historically, four to four and a half percent wage growth has been the number that's caused the Fed to overreact and slam on the brakes. And uh, we're a long way from that. And consequently, we think that this little sweet spot can enable the economy to chug along in that two and a half to two and three quarter percent in a non-inflationary pace. So, yes, we, we do not see recession next year. Fundamentals driving the economy still look strong. We don't want to be, again, dismissive of the impact 
that falling asset prices can have on sentiment, right? Because when does exactly. that become a self-fulfilling prophecy? And I think that's why the Fed has to be mindful. And even after four hikes this year, two could be a stretch next year. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, John, I started to talk earlier, and honestly, I kind of was stumbling around, forgot what I was going to say. To be honest, okay, I, I'm I, used to it. You I, know, yeah, I know. I said I was in this very room at 520 in the morning yesterday for a CBC hit, and Dawson here next to us helping us with the sound was here also. So thank you, Dawson, for Go the Dawson. help there. Go, Dawson. But um, anyway, Go so I'm kinda, I guess I'm hitting the wall with uh, how tired I am. But what I was going to say was, you know, you talk about, is there going to be a recession? Well, you know, long-term earnings growth here in the U.S. is about 6 to 7%. We think we can have better than long-term earnings growth next year. Emerging markets very well get a double-digit earnings growth next year. And then developed markets, you know, that's Japan and Europe. I mean, Europe, all the trouble they have. We're looking at positive earnings growth over in developed markets. So you've got a global expansion of earnings. I don't know. Tell me the last time we've had a recession, we had a global expansion of earnings. I th uh, let me think. Uh, yeah, never. Exactly. That's what. That's pretty so much what I wanted to. So this that'll be yeah, the first no, one, right? Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't. Let's just move no, on. Profits, Let's just move on. Rates. Profits have always been a great indicator <laughs> mm -hmm. for improved capital investment, improved employment, and then you get that virtuous cycle. You have improved employment. You have improved income. You have improved consumption. You have improved economic activity. You have improved right. economic output. So the fundamentals are in place for the for the cycle to continue a little longer. It has to end sometime. We just don't believe it's right. 2019. Exactly. Which transitions us to rates. Yes, it does. And rates and bonds, therefore, rates need not accelerate that much from current levels given our outlook. Exactly. So, you know, so getting to rates. So, you know, the 10-year yield obviously is a big part of rates and this year we've had a higher trending yield. It's kind of peaked up around 320 or so approximately. It's pulled back beneath 3 as we speak, but overall, John, you with the full employment that we have, um, you know, aging economy, a little bit higher trending 10-year yield makes makes sense next year, right? I mean, what do you what do you have a range for 2019? What's Absolutely. our range you think we can get up to here? I like here? to speak in ranges because I'd rather be vaguely correct rather than precisely wrong. <laughs> Wise. So, well, say that one more time. That, that could be our quote for the year, I think. <laughs> the goal is to be vaguely correct rather than precisely wrong. That's right. So we are in print at a range of 325 to 375 on the 10-year Treasury, assuming there are two more hikes, assuming there's economic growth in two and a half to two and three quarters percent. I would have to say... The risk to that projection is on the downside. You know, yes. if we had to say today, if we think it's going to be closer to three seventy-five or three and a quarter, I think we'd both say three and a quarter. Yes, closer to that. But we are speak we are speaking in a uh, a fifty basis point range for the ten year, and what that would mean a less flat yield curve as opposed mm -hmm. to a traditionally more steep yield curve because we still have some dynamics going on, right? With, uh, you know, lagged effect of Fed policy, balance sheet runoff, balance sheet runoff exactly. uh, decline mm -hmm. in M2, the stronger dollar, slightly higher corporate credit spreads. You know, all those have a factor into not only liquidity, but bond market performance. And consequently, we're we'll, looking at that environment we're going to continue to position portfolios toward more of an investment grade stand as opposed to the higher yield stand that we had earlier this year. Uh, it'll be very curious to see also, uh, while we still want to make sure we have some exposure to Treasury, we'll still be underway Treasuries and then uh, continue to benefit from the trends in mortgage backs, which typically experience reduced refinancings, less issuance as rates rise, right? So more mm -hmm. dollars chasing fewer mortgage backs tend to favor the sector. So uh, right. we'll be looking at opportunities there. And to any degree, with the change in, uh, you know, the change in control at the House, uh, with Democratic control, is it possible that you see a resumption of state and local tax deductions? 
and that could that could result in a, in a bid from unis but we'll pay close attention to that going forward no good good points there so obviously for more detail specifically on what we're looking for in the fixed income markets in 2019 be sure to look at our recently released 2019 outlook which i'm sure we'll have linked to the notes to today's podcast overall john Absolutely. the bottom line here relatively muted potentially returns on bonds uh, in 2019 is what mm-hmm. we're looking for but diversification still has a place in everyone's portfolio. Two 10% corrections this year on the S&P. The first one was early February or so. Bonds were relatively flat. On this recent 10% correction, you got a little bit more juice out of your bonds. So it still makes sense, am I correct, for an average portfolio to have some bond exposure, even if we don't think they're going to technically outperform stocks next year? Oh, of course. And even, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to use that term, two 10% corrections, because you know, in, in late March, early April, when the tariff thing first came out, you know, it wasn't quite a correction, but it sure felt like one, right? Exactly. And, you know, when you think about the September highs and now it's late December, <laughs> was that, that, that's one big correction, but it, it was a painful thing for our investors, right? So right. Uh, nonetheless, yeah, flat returns in, in bonds, but bonds play an important role, particularly treasuries. You know, that's why we, we may be underweight treasuries. Uh, we're going to make sure we have some holding there because treasuries typically provide liquidity to portfolios, they provide income to portfolios, and they can also smooth out volatility uh, during exactly. periods of equity market stress. That's right. So it's like we've got maybe five minutes or so. Let's um let's get to at least what I think you know I think is one of the fun ones. And I think you do too. Equity returns. Market junkies. Mar- market returns, equity returns, corporate profits. We kind of spoke on that. You know, overall, yes, 2018, it's looking like potentially a red year for stocks. Nonetheless, not significantly red, but we think we're going to bounce back in 2019, led to some of the strong fundamentals in economy. Just how much do we think we can get a bounce back in 2019? Yeah, I'll have to look at uh, the numbers, but looking at looking at profits of 6 to 8%, Looking Which, at again, dividends. is above long-term, yeah, long-term profit growth. Above slightly long-term, above. Slightly, slightly above. Mm-hmm. But yep. nonetheless, uh, looking at a, a market that can rise commensurate with profits and mm-hmm. income, right? So if you look at 6 to 8% on profits, 2% dividend yield, you're in that 8 to 10% total return opportunity, we believe. And at this point in the cycle, with the Fed potentially raising two more times, I'm not focused on uh, P.E. expansion, uh, we're, we're purely looking at earnings and income compounded annually, which is not only a great long-term strategy for investors, but it's something to keep in mind for next year, particularly you know given this late in the cycle. Right. Now, getting down into maybe a little bit more, so we were saying we like stocks over bonds. You know, is it time for value to finally take some leadership? We know it's been kind of a rough year for value, done a little bit better since October, but do we think the value uh, has, a, has a place for value in our portfolios in 2019? Absolutely. We've been positioning portfolios, fortunately or unfortunately for value, given your time horizon, uh, most of 2018, and it, it hasn't worked out. But when I look at the beneficiaries of reduced regulation, the beneficiaries of the tax cut, the beneficiaries of increased government spending, it is a value play right. now, as you know, given all the technical work you've done on the markets. Growth just had such momentum behind it for the bulk of the year that that just continued to overwhelm uh, the value space. And and we strongly believe that there's a place for value in portfolios, and we are, right. we're continuing to position portfolios accordingly, even with the efforts we put in to go overweight value. Growth has run away so far. It's still basically a balanced portfolio, given our efforts. So uh, we'll continue to uh, position for value, use any weakness in growth accordingly. While we were positioning for small over large relative to benchmarks, we're pairing some of that back this year. 
in 2019. So that's probably, I guess you could say, our big change from an equity point of view, 2018 versus 19, is pairing and, back little on smalls. And again, again, remember, mm-hmm. it's relative to the benchmark. Yes. Uh, so that that's terribly important for investors to keep in mind. But yes, we're pairing back some of the small call. Uh, we're going a little later cycle, if you will, on the large call. We are maintaining a cyclical bias relative to sectors, so we're maintaining financials and industrials. Uh, we're still hanging on to some of the tech opportunity and looking for opportunities, for example, within, you know, if you want to have a barbell strategy, if you will, with some energy exposure and some healthcare exposure as well. So I think that's something to keep in mind. And then on the international thing to close, I still favor emerging over developed. We're very concerned what's happening in Europe, uh, whether it's the challenges in France, the recession in the third quarter in Germany, the uncertainties associated with Brexit, and then their expensive bonds, even though profits are rising there, we're, we're, we're very cautious to what's happening there, but we are very favorable on what's happening in the emerging space. In spite of the way the stocks have performed this year, we see economic growth at a premium, we see earnings growth at a premium, and we see PE multiples at a discount. So consequently, we think that's a good place to So invest. EM is growing faster in the United States in terms of GDP, in terms of earnings, and they're actually a little bit cheaper. So those are positives. But you mentioned, you know, so obviously EM has had a rough year this year, but really since October, since October 4th when all the volatility and sell-off started here, quietly, I think, emerging markets have actually done better in the United States on a relative basis. Also, the emerging market currencies, which probably you could say really got the EM stocks in trouble in the middle of the year, Emerging market currencies all of a sudden are starting to curve higher and break out, and so they're starting to show some positives there. If you're going to have a global, bottom line, if you're going to have a global recession next year, you don't want to be in emerging markets, right? But right. we don't see a global recession next year, and emerging markets could be a place that in the right portfolio, you can find a little bit of alpha. Alpha is outperformance relative to your benchmarks, specifically maybe S&P 500. So domestic investors, if you want to take a little bit more of a riskier play in the right portfolio, emerging markets is a place you can find uh, potentially some good returns next yeah, absolutely. year. Absolutely. We see emerging market growth. If we're growing two and a half to two and three quarters, Percent domestically, economically, we are looking at uh, emerging markets to grow in that 4.7% range, essentially where we were in 2018. So uh, for a variety of reasons, we still think there's an opportunity there. And then the ultimate opportunity in emerging markets, 6 billion people times anything is a big number. You're you're exactly right, John. So I guess it's official. The 2019 outlook's out there. Our voices have spoken. I had a lot of fun uh, this year working with you. Look forward Absolutely. to 2019. Absolutely. Hopefully a lot of these, more often than not, most of these plays will play out for us next year. But, you know, at the bottom line is LPL Research is here for our advisors, is here for everyone who's listening to us on the LPL Market Signals podcast. Really enjoyed the, doing this podcast this year and look forward to doing a lot more next year in 2019. Absolutely. So to conclude, thank you, Ryan. It's been a great year. Wish you and your family a happy holiday season, a healthy new year. And as to all our listeners, and just keep in mind, fundamentals, focus on what really matters in the markets. Do not get caught up in the headlines. We don't want to be dismissive of the risks. You're literally pounding the table right I, now. I he literally am, pound, hear that? Speaking He's literally pounding the table yeah, on my, this one, I'm guys. My 150, yes. 150 pounds yes, all, all over the it. table. That's right. Think about policy. Think about the economy. Think about rates. And think about profits. And when you factor all four of those into any investment decision, I think they'll outweigh the threat offered by headline risk. So that concludes our comments. Thank you all to our listeners for listening throughout the year. And uh, very excited to have uh, more conversations with you in 2019. All the best. We will be taking a break from our normal weekly podcast through the New Year holiday. 
Tune in again the second week in January when we will continue to analyze and discuss market signals. For additional description and disclosures, please see the full Outlook 2019 publication. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible. Bonds are subject to market and interest rate risk if sold prior to maturity. Bond and bond mutual fund values and yields will decline as interest rates rise and bonds are subject to availability and change in price. Bond yields are subject to change. Certain call or special redemption features may exist which could impact yields. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. Investing in stock includes numerous specific risks including the fluctuation of dividend and potential illiquidity of the investment in a falling market. Value investments can perform differently from the market as a whole. They can remain undervalued by the market for a long period of time. Because of their narrow focus, sector investing will be subject to greater volatility than investing more broadly across many sectors and companies. Investing in foreign and emerging market securities involves special additional risks. These risks include, but are not limited to, currency risk, geopolitical risk, and risks associated with varying accounting standards. Investing in emerging markets may accentuate these risks. The S&P 500 index is a capitalization weighted index of 500 stocks designed to measure performance of the board domestic economy through changes in the aggregate market value of 500 stocks representing all major industries.